Welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. It's the end of the Premier League season. One game left in the Champions League, one Europa Conference League final to take place as well. But yes, it's looking ahead now, essentially, to the summer transfer window. We'll be back, hopefully, this summer more times per week than just the one that we're doing at the moment. But Graham, how are you doing? We've just been to Barcelona. How did you find the trip? And are are you well today? I'm great. Yeah, tiring trip. Yeah, it was long nights, early mornings. Obviously, you guys had me up very early every morning doing transfer stories. So, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was good and really enjoyable. But yeah, the transfer season is really kicking into gear now, isn't it? Not that it was ever really over, was it, after January? Yeah, so just it's just things can actually start to happen now. You've seen Eric mm-hmm. Ten Hagen bailed at United. Uh, there's going to be some movement, some confirmed transfers. We've seen Fabio Carvalho to Liverpool confirmed. We've seen others confirmed as well. Toby Cudworth is here as well. Top cat, how are you? All good, mate. I'm uh, I'm missing Barcelona. I'm not going to lie. I'm missing the scenery. I'm missing the the camaraderie. We uh, we got everybody together from around our languages around the world, um, which was a nice thing to do. But it went very, very quickly, and then we had to rush back to watch the uh, the end of the season. And now peak transfers. So I was going to say we've got a couple of months off, but we just we don't, do we? If anything, it ramps up when the season's over, doesn't it? Because the modern audience is absolutely ravenous for transfer updates. And we will try and give you what we have today. We'll talk about Manchester City and Gabriel Jesus, who is interesting Arsenal. We'll talk about Declan Rice, as we always seem to on this show, but we'll have an actual section dedicated to Declan Rice today, led by Top Cat. We'll talk about Aston Villa and interest in Yves Basuma, even after signing uh, Bubakar Kamara earlier this week. We'll talk Marcos Alonso to Barcelona, Aurelian Chouameni and Kylian Mbappe as well after he renewed his contract with PSG, much to the surprise of La Liga and Real Madrid. But let's start with Gabriel Jesus, has been... A regular fixture, Graham, in Pep's team that ended up winning the league at Man City in dramatic fashion on the final day. I should add you were there for that as well. But uh, there's been some interest from Arsenal. Some other clubs have been snooping around him over the last few months as well. There were times in the season where he hasn't really commanded a place in the first team, but that's not been the case recently. And I think City are looking to keep him this summer. Is that right? Yeah, Pep Guardiola really does want to keep Gabriel Jesus. There is the three of them. There's Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez and Gabriel Jesus. And the three of them out of contract in 2023, as we said. And we revealed earlier on, 90 minutes in the year, that City win talks with all three. There was a pre, the and almost a warning from City saying, look, if you're rejecting these deals, we will sell you in the summer. We've talked about Raheem Sterling. That it, it's always looked likely that he wanted to move to Barcelona. That is still an option for him. Reid Mahrez in his 30s now. So from what we're understanding from City, Jesus is really the one to push in to keep. And and as you as you said, Scott, he's he's starting all their major games now. He started in the title decider against Liverpool as it was framed then. That was the biggest game of the Premier League season, wasn't it? He started both legs of the semi-final against Real Madrid. He started on Sunday ahead of Raheem Sterling, who could have easily played the number nine role. Jesus has been started on right and, and in the centre. I think he's great on the right. And Pep said, Pep said a few months ago that he was the best right-sided forward in terms of that system of closing down in the world. Right, Pep is doing everything he can. I, We do know that his agents have spoken to Arsenal, they've spoken to Tottenham. 
from Sporting to Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Atletico Madrid. Everyone in the world knows he's available to a certain extent. City is still hopeful of persuading me to stay. City at the moment don't really know why he would want to leave. I think it might be determined by the other two players as well, Sterling and Mares. I think them two are more likely to go as, as as we are sitting here now. Let's not forget Julian Alvarez and, and Erling Haaland are coming in, which will restrict the chances for a lot of players. But I don't think Jesus will be one of those who's restricted. Yes, he'll find it similar to now. But I, I think Pep's done everything he can to persuade Jesus to stay. And for the life of me, I just don't understand why he would even think about moving to Tottenham and Arsenal uh, when he's when he can play three quarters of the games at City. I, I find it hard to get my head around, really. I mean, I would look at Arsenal maybe and think that there's a, a number nine slot that he could probably hold down for the duration of the season as like a permanent fixture, whereas at City he'd be maybe in and out of the team dependent on form and that kind of thing. I know that we've seen him regularly starting of late, but he's certainly not going to win titles at Arsenal, is he? <laughs> No, I don't. I just don't see. I don't want to talk about him. I I don't see him as even a twenty goal a season number nine. I think he's he's so good at that closing down the right side. I think he's made that position his own at City in a lot of ways. Which is why we're seeing Sterling move from that side. We've seen Bernardo Silva move from that side as well because here's is doing such a good job there, and I think he's just. Um, I, I said I I'd be amazed if he if he moves. To within in, within England, knowing that that city offers there. If he moved abroad, yeah, maybe you could see he wants to try to look abroad. But to go from City to Arsenal when City want you is is a strange one. What do you think, Tob? I think Jesus is grossly underrated. To be honest, the last couple of years, everybody looks at his goal record. Um, just looking at the stats now, is his best goal return in terms of the Premier League is fourteen goals during twenty nineteen twenty. Uh, scored nine goals in 2021 and eight goals last season. So on the surface, that doesn't look too impressive. But as Graham says, it's his work rate, it's his closing down, it's his pressing. He's incredibly fit as well, and he's a good team player. And Guardiola clearly trusts him, as Graham's alluded to. He started in all the big games recently, and he's delivered the goods for City. Um, if I were him, I would I'd stay at City, obviously. I agree that I think Sterling and Mares are more likely to leave and that Jesus has got the, the trust of Guardiola a bit more. Um, it may boil down to whether or not he feels that he is a central number nine, because yes, he would get that role at Arsenal. Um, and at City, he will kind of fit in where the gaps are, I guess. And we've touched on form there. He could pop up in the centre-forward role if Haaland's being rested, or he could pop up on the right. But I don't see Arsenal being an attractive enough proposition for him. There's no financial gain there either. Um, Tottenham, I don't see it, but I can see why they would want him Mm. as another option on the right-hand side. Kulisevsky was brilliant, but I think he's one of those players that is either great or anonymous. And Antonio Conte obviously wants more options and more depth, and Jesus would be a quality addition. So City should be where he stays for me. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, uh, Raheem Sterling has attracted interest from a number of different clubs. And I think there is, if I'm right, Graham, maybe some desire in his head uh, to try a new challenge, maybe in Spain or somewhere like that. Well, uh, I, was at, I was at the game Sunday and yeah. he, he was gutted. Not to, You could see he was angry. He was not happy not to start on Sunday. And, and you know, if, if you're looking at Mar- Maris was... Um, 
he was appalling actually i agree with jack really she was he was terrible <laughs> he, he was very much like miguel almiron um so of the three of them you know i think that the, the, the would like sterling to stay but i think sterling is the one who's worried about the alvarez and harlan coming in and and his i yeah i think sterling i think that might have been his last appearance for city on sunday i really do i don't know if you saw his post-match interview on sky sports but he was the one player who was kind of bereft of any emotion he gave the standard player media trained mm. uh, for how it feels whereas everybody else was kind of this is amazing it's another incredible mm. day for the club sterling didn't give off that vibe he did give off the aura of somebody not content with their role the fact that he had to come on and all right he influenced and changed the game um but he wanted to start and He's still got so much to offer himself. He's only what 27? twenty seven. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? He, I could see him going to Barcelona and featuring. They, he had a wonderful Euros, didn't he, Sterling? But and and I think he, let's not let's not forget he did he didn't start the season for City. He was on the bench for the first month, and that was after being one of the leading lights in, in an international tournament. And I think he still think, he still remembers that, you know. There's a, there's a good chance Sterling signs his contract and spends most of the next season on the bench. That is a realistic proposition for him. So I think weighing that up, I, I think he's going. And in, going into a peak part of his career as well, you can't really see him taking that with no. any kind of happiness at all. So, yes, it could be that Raheem Sterling ends up leaving Man City. Uh, we'll, we'll shift on now to the Declan Rice section of the week uh, because... Toby, we've we've spoken on this show and on social media a number of times now about what Declan Rice will end up doing. I know there's certain times where we felt that Declan Rice might end up leaving West Ham, but West Ham pretty forthright with the kind of prices that they're looking at, and it's, it seems to be pricing other clubs out of the market. Uh, they would like him to resign and you know extend his deal at West Ham, but Rice has conditions, let's just say. Uh, how likely do we make that extension to be now? And will Rice get what he wants? I don't know whether you want to go into any more depth on what I mean. Well, if you if you were looking at the Premier League standings alone and what's going to happen next season, you would imagine Declan Rice would be leaving West Ham. They will be in the Conference League instead of the Europa League. And there are plenty of teams who want him who can offer Champions League and Europa League football. And Declan Rice's ambition is clear. He wants to win trophies and he knows that he's good enough to play at the top of the game. West Ham obviously don't want to sell him. Um, they have a public valuation of 150 million. We understand that if an offer were to come in around 120 million, that would probably turn David Sullivan's head enough for him to accept. But West Ham have long wanted him to sign a new contract. So he's got two more years remaining on his deal um, with an extra year, which West Ham will take up. But... West Ham have been trying to extend Rice's contract and haven't been willing to put a release clause into the deal. And that's kind of been the, the game changer for Rice. He would sign a new contract if West Ham gave him that opt-out clause in a way, similar to what Harry Kane didn't have at Tottenham. But from what we understand, West Ham are maybe looking at this a little bit differently now. David Sullivan is softening his stance somewhat. And there's a feeling that West Ham will put an offer forward to Rice that would include a release clause. Um, so the inclination is that Rice would then listen to that offer. They would see what money is on the table and he would potentially sign if the valuation of that release clause um, would allow a Man City or a Man United to come in 
in 12, 18 months, however long it will maybe um, to take him away. But it's a real big change from West Ham because they've been steadfast in that they're not going to do this. But maybe they're seeing what's happening in the market. They're seeing other players being linked with Manchester City. I think Calvin Phillips is being strongly linked today in the press and they are taking stock um, of their options and ensuring that they protect Rice's value, Graham. Yeah, very much so. And this thing where West Ham know Rice is wanted, but just is anyone willing to go to that three figures? You know, we said West Ham publicly want 150. We're told within the club, 120 is the much more realistic price tag on him. And so if someone came in with that, we think that would be enough. And it is City. It does look like City. You know, United have got a lot of work to do. Are they going to pay one twenty-four play? It doesn't look that way. And we haven't had the confirmation yet that Eric Ten Hag is a huge fan of right. He's not going to not like him, is he? You know, if offered Declan Rice, you not not take him, are you? But I think if offered Rice or Frankie De Jong, I think Eric Ten Hag would probably take Frankie De Jong for good reason. You know, he loves to play, knows him. Why wouldn't he? So I think Man City is the one to keep an eye on. We've seen Man City linked a lot with Calvin Phillips in the last few days. We don't know about his sushi yet, but for me, City, you know, I, I still think they want to keep an eye on, but I think it's a really interesting um, move by David Sullivan. You know, let's not forget he is selling the club, isn't he, Toby, next 12 months. What better way to keep the value of West Ham than keeping Declan Rice and then to let the new owners, um, Krasinski, have, have the issue with whether to let him go or not. I think that's something to bear in mind. It's probably only 12 months away, that, isn't it, Toby, really, for the um, London Stadium deal to... Um, mature so no I can, I can see it but I think the only way Rice I agree with Toby and we obviously we're, the story in it um, will be out by the time this pod is up so no I totally agree I can see I can see Rice getting a, a huge wage rise but with that release clause um, in it and um, are there any yeah. indications yet about how much that can be or is that going to be a negotiation because Rice is going to want that to be as low as possible, I'm guessing. I, th- I think, I th- I don't see West Ham going below 120 personally, maybe 110, but it's definitely going to be three figures or more. Of course, we saw uh, similar with Jack Grealish uh, and Aston Villa and Man City uh, clocked that release clause last year. Grealish's- Villa are obviously gaining uh, the weekend. They were the ones who won the uh, the clause derby with Wolves because one <laughs> because one of the, the Jota deal and Grealish, one of those teams, ironically as it was, the losing team was always going to get a nice little bonus. So it ended up being Villa who got the nice little bonus, which I'm sure is helping Stevie Gerrard in this summer's market. Oh well, that's a lovely little tie-in. I was going to do a little bit more on West Ham there, but I think Graham, that's just too good to resist. Aston Villa have signed Bubakar Kamara on a free transfer. Uh, Graham put the question to Stephen Gerrard about interest in him on Sunday after that game. Uh, he confirmed his interest, and then twelve hours later, Villa confirmed a signing. Now they have a lot of options in midfield. They've got Jacob Ramsey, Douglas Luiz, uh, John McGinn. And now Bubakar Kamara as well, who's, you know, plays plays in central defence, but also plays in holding midfield as well. But Villa have had long-standing interest in Eve Basuma uh, from Brighton. He's wanted to leave Brighton for a little while, but Graham, Villa still want him? Yeah, I'm told this interest has stepped up even since Sunday. They've uh, begun conversations with Brighton, with his people. They're making it known they want him. And this could accelerate quite quickly, this one, guys. It's... Um, I think we think a fee of around 30 million 
Tottenham interested. We've heard Arsenal, West Ham. I think there's probably others, others too. Basuma is a wonderful player. I, I saw him the other week at Leeds, and he dominated that game. He was fantastic, and what a mouth-watering prospect Villa suddenly have of Kamara and Basuma. And we've seen Villa playing this four-three-three recently. I think this just sets. Up, I think Steven Gerrard is going to go through a four-four-two-three-one probably. That's and, a solid two, isn't it? If but but, but then it, we, we were discussing, I think, off air the other week, but what does he do with Bundia? Then it allows Coutinho to play it down the middle. Uh, you know, letting Nat Camrol, that he was playing on the left and right on Sunday. He was Graham, struggling. you bringing the FIFA speak to, yeah. <laughs> to this book. Uh, well, it's not, that's how they talk now. It's how the young guys talk nowadays. But Coutinho, that role lets Bundia go. I think, I think that is the future. But Kamara and, and Basuma could be sensational. And if that's Villa's first three signings, we did allude to the fact, didn't we? I think Jared's going to do surgery on this team. And it's very quick. So I think they're going to move quite quickly to try and get Basuma in. Again, another team who were linked after Phillips, but Basuma's a lot cheaper. And a bit of a different player as well. But yeah, I love this guy. But as we understand, these talks are happening. This And you can read on site. We've done a story on it as well on 90min.com. And yeah, this is one to keep an eye on. I think Villa are moving very quickly. And they are backing Stephen Jarrod. I was so impressed with Jarrod on his press conference on Sunday, obviously because he took my question primarily. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and, and he, he said actually in that, he said in his answer to, to me that he was, they were working hard behind the scenes. He said, we'll quickly see the results of this. So he was alluding to the fact that they had already done, already done their background work. Um, and Bassoon was a played light in January. So yeah, I'm I'm super impressed by the work Stevie G's done. We're not even in June yet, and this could be their third signing of the summer. How many uh, just before I bring you back in, Toby, how many positions are they looking to strengthen in? We're looking at up front, I'm guessing, centre half. I know that Joe Gomez was mentioned. I can't remember whether mm. we've uh, we've put that out there yet, but Joe Gomez, uh, a new centre forward potentially to go along with these. Yeah, Joe Gomez, one will come to again. We've been on that. He's been wanting to leave for a while. So, I th- hey, every, everyone buying the top two wants Joe Gomez because he's been sensational as well for Liverpool at right back recently. But yeah, centre half for once somewhere. I've heard even two centre halves possibly. He's not been impressive what he's seen. Centre forward. I witnessed Ollie Watkins on Sunday. He missed two or three guilt edge chances. If that was Luis Suarez playing for Villa, the title would be Liverpool's, I promise you. If that was Luis Suarez playing for Villa on Sunday, the title would be theirs. Watkins missed. I think it just summed up to Gerard. And not that he's going to let, let him go. I think there's a player there, but I think he needs a more finished product as of now. So we'll watch out for a big striker. Filler. I think too, I think he'll get Luis Suarez, which we've reported. I think he'll get another big one as well. Um, so in fullbacks, he's fine. He likes Digny and Cash. They were, both, they were both brilliant on Sunday as well. Them two were sensational. They were great. Um, so I think two centre-halves, two, two, two strikers, I think they may be done. But yeah, it's easier said than done. But another four players, I think, could come in. Toby, this is uh, shooting for the stars, Aston Villa, isn't it? They've, they've made no secret that they want to get into this Champions League mix. you got Newcastle going for it. you got um, Arsenal and United have just missed out. West Ham, even. We'll see how much they strengthen. But this isn't a top four anymore, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's looking more and more like a top eight, a top nine. Um, Villa are very, very impressive by how they go about things in the foot, in the transfer market. It's like playing football manager. They see your player, they make an offer, it's accepted, it's done within two or three days. And how much is the influence to, to Stephen Gerrard? I don't think in the industry we really give Stephen Gerrard his 
his mass appeal. But it, we saw with Kamara, the teams they beat Kamara, and we we heard Stephen Gerrard played a major role in that. It is it's a it's still. And, and that must be a worry for Scott in terms of Ten Hag um, because he doesn't have the, the 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 I don't think he has the appeal of Steven Gerrard so to speak it's amazing that Steven Gerrard still has that pull doesn't he he's trying to get Frankie de Jong Graham <laughs> yeah yeah and to be fair I, we'll come back to Frankie de Jong I, I um I love Frankie Dung as well. And I quite like Ayrton Hag, even though he looked like a Bond villain on his, on his I mean, game. have you noticed the last few days he's worn the same suit for like three days in a row now? Uh, it's a bit like me in my tracksuit. So once I find one I like, I just buy four or five different same versions. <laughs> it, it looks like I'm wearing the same stuff all the time, but I just like the fit. I think Ten Hag's doing that. Yeah. It's a good, uh, good point on Stevie G, though. He is obviously selling Aston Villa in a very good way. And players are looking at the projects, and Villa have got very rich owners. I think everybody forgets that. Yeah, they've got billionaire mm-hmm. owners. They've got very deep pockets. They spent and the fan and the fan base yeah. as well. They've got the fan base to back it up. Yeah, um, but Bubakar Kamara turned down Atletico Madrid, who were yeah. La Liga winners last season and Champions League regulars, to go to Aston Villa, who are offering him none of that next year. Um, and signed a five-year contract, and it's they're not small fry names that are being linked with Gerard. So I'd have taken well, Bubakar Kamara at United on a free transfer. But yeah. but it's it's be interesting to see what he does with like Sir Douglas Weeks. I think Ram Jacob Ramsey. I think the new system will suit him, where he can get forward more because he, he was he was excellent on Sunday as well. I think Louis, I think I do wonder whether John McGinn. I do wonder where he fits into the system. I do. I could, I could see him moving on. He's been linked to like Sebastian and Tottenham, so I wonder whether he is one of the ones who sacrificed. But hey, he might be just looking for a deep squad. But this is the way you do it, you know. You, we we always thought that McGinn, Luis, Ramsey, yeah, it's a decent midfield, but he do, he obviously just doesn't want decent, does he, Gerard? He he really does want his top six, top four. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll switch on to Marcos Alonso's future now. Uh, has been at Chelsea for a long time, although. Uh, Barcelona are starting to make moves. I think they're already signing uh, Andres Christensen from Chelsea. There's other players that are in the frame as well. I think, well, obviously, Antonio Rudiger is going to Real Madrid. So Chelsea are looking like they're going to lose a few different players from their back line. And Marcus Alonso is no different by the seams of it, Graham. Yeah, but obviously, um, along with this, it looks like Emerson will be brought back from his... He's had a brilliant spell in France with Leon. I don't think... It, you know, Alonso to move on. I think they would like another left back ideally, but I think Thomas Tuchel has got other issues in the squad. And if Emerson's a backup to Chilwell, that's very good. He's had a great season, Emerson. And Alonso, I think it's a bit like Lewandowski, this one, though. He has had a fallout and he wants to go to Barcelona, but I think Chelsea, well, yeah, we'll let you go, but there's no offer on the table yet. So um, it could be that Cesar and Alonso both go to Barcelona. So three of Barcelona's four next season could all be Chelsea. But I think Chelsea have got a lot to do. And, and I'll tell you one guy, the championship finals come up this weekend, guys. Keep an eye on Levi Colwell. It's a player I've talked about before. Outstanding centre-half, left-footed. He could, you know, it, it sounds silly. He he could be in England reckoning within 12 months. If he stays at Chelsea, left-footed centre-half, he's fantastic. You, you should I think see t- Toby's see smirking on the other end because I think that's a lot of players you put in the England reckoning now. I, I, uh, I, how I, many players can fit into this World well, Cup I, squad? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 think, I, I think they should be, but obviously, as I said, I, I think 
and, and we'll come on to World Cup talk in the next few in the next few months. I still think there's only two or three slots available in that World Cup squad. I'll be honest. I think Southgate's printed twenty one of the tickets already. Are they all um, <laughs> Well, no, there's one. There's one Conor Gallagher. Um, of of of, I think he it's not 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 putting ink for Conor Gallagher, unfortunately. But yeah, to but Chelsea is going to be interesting. They can't. I think he'll overhaul the forward department, and he'll need to bring people in. We know Jules Kunde is coming in. All but done that one, and so you know, there's only so many, so many players who can be brought in, and, and we've seen the fact that Thomas Tuchel he brought Chalabar through. He's willing to give these players a chance, and I say he's got Conor Gallagher coming back, which could be, you know, for me, he's in the Premier League play, team of the season. He's been absolutely wonderful, and Mason Mount and Gallagher is, is mouthwatering. So I think he might build around some youngsters. You know, we might put Corwell in. He might bring Gallagher back in, and the Chelsea fans would love that. What what if Corwell is the new John Terry? Who better to come in? They do have a hell of an academy, though. They've won a lot at youth level. Yeah, they do. They do. You know, and it's it's good to see uh, Chelsea starting to bring a lot of those players through. Obviously, you've got Mason Mount and Reese James, who are permanent fixtures in that team. And, and it's in it's a good point, Scott, because it is in stat. It's not just about money, because no one puts more into academy than City. And Liverpool as well. But it's a fact that I think Chelsea are very good at picking out these loans for their players. Whereas we see Liverpool, you know, Nat Phillips at Bournemouth, yeah, but he was never going to play for Liverpool anyway. City, they send players abroad, but we've seen Pep is not willing to really give his youngsters a chance, you know. Palmer, McAtee, always on the bench. So the way Chelsea do it has to be applauded because it's not, everyone thinks, oh, they just buy other young players and do that. No, they're, pick, they're picking the right players, putting them on loan, and then they are giving them a chance. And if the first loan move doesn't work out, Conor Gallagher at West Brom, for example, that didn't go too well. They learned from that. Patrick Vieira was the ideal manager to go in and for Gallagher to, to work on his game and impress. And now what, he... what what a good choice though, because he Leeds thought they had it. Leeds thought they had Gallagher, and a lot of us raised our eyebrows that, yeah. when yeah. when they when chose Palace instead of Bielsa. A lot of us thought, hmm, that's an interesting choice. But now who looks correct now? One the one final thing on Chelsea is they won't really miss Marcus Alonso. In truth, I know he scored some big goals for them, and he does the occasional good thing, but. You ask most Chelsea fans, they say he's a defensive liability and he can't play in a back four. He has to play at wing back, whereas Emerson coming back into the fold has been playing in a four at Lyon and all right. They only got to the Europa League quarterfinals and I think they came out. They're being smashed by West Ham. They They did get smashed by West Ham. Um, That was a rarity in Europe, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But he can play in a four and that will allow Rhys James, who flourishes in any role that he plays in, He's a good right back. He doesn't need to play right wing back to show off his attacking talent. And the, the main thing is he can defend. Um, and I think Tuchel wants to play a back four going forward, if at all possible. Yeah, they might be a bit light in the centre-back department. So you would think that maybe that's what we'll see out of Chelsea next season. They have a lot of work to do, obviously, with uh, the ownership uh, transition and this kind of thing. They've got a lot of players to, who are out of contract. I think Jorginho and N'Golo Kante. There's other players like Romelu Lukaku who... We don't know what will happen with him at the moment. There's nothing confirmed, but he's not happy as it stands with his position. But we'll finish the show up today with two French international uh, players. And Aurelien Chouameni is the first one before we'll, we'll stop at uh, Kylian Mbappe. Uh, Chouameni is one of the most in-demand footballers in Europe at the moment. A central midfielder, seemingly can do it all, has attracted interest from a wide range of clubs and... Liverpool 
at one stage it did oh, Chelsea even like let's go back all the way to last summer I think it was Graham Chelsea could have snapped him up for a decent fee didn't pull the trigger Liverpool have since uh, their interest has grown and it has looked at times that they might eventually win the race but Kylian Mbappe obviously staying at PSG and we'll get onto that in a little bit leaves a big uh conundrum in Real Madrid uh, in the decision-making quarters there transfer-wise, but they've always liked Chiumani as well. So what's the what's the latest with uh, his future? Yeah, Monaco have accepted Chiumani's going this summer and they've been quite well, wise, Monaco. He was available last summer for around the same fee as what Real Madrid paid for Camavinga, which was around 40 million euros. Chelsea at the time looked at a deal they wanted a bit more experience, so they went with um, Sol Niguez from Atletico Madrid. Um, less said about him, the better. Oh, my been... word, that happened. Yeah, well, they beat Manchester United to him as well, so, God, yeah. imagine, how bad, imagine how much worse you would have been if you got him, Scott. Um, so, and they did at the time, they did consider buying him and loading him back. And now, to be fair to Chelsea, I don't think anyone saw Chumani from last summer becoming the player he is now. He's a key part of Didier Deschamps' midfield. He is already uh, double figures for caps. His his form in the last 12 months, his progression has been outstanding. And now he is, he is up there, one of the most wanted players in world football. Chelsea were always in for him, but, you know, as we reported last month, Liverpool and Real Madrid both came in, both talking to the agents and representatives. We understand that all the teams interested in PSG are also in the mix as well, but we think they're currently lagging behind all the teams have agreed to pay what he wants they've agreed to pay the fee for Monaco which is around 60 million pound and now basically it's up to the player Scott and from what I'm hearing from Chelsea and Liverpool more I think it is a choice between Liverpool and Real now but Liverpool do fear that he's Madrid bound and the aforementioned Camavinga um, he's likely to line up in their midfield for the next 10 years, which is a frightening thought because Camavinga, I think, impressed hugely towards the end of the season. So I think it's we're seeing Madrid planning for after Cruz and Modric and Camavinga and Chumani. Wow, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I think it's nice, this nice mix of Real, you know, they're signing likes of Rudiger and Albert at the back, but aging veterans. But these two youngsters in midfield could be sensational. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll see how that progresses. I mean, he's got a choice of the clubs that he, he could join. Uh, Shuamani, he's really does have the world at his feet and we'll see what he decides uh, to do in the next few weeks, I'm sure. And to transfer to another French international, obviously Kylian Mbappe's name, Toby, has been in the headlines over the last few days. Yeah. We've spoken about this on the last show, expecting Mbappe to, uh, to end up joining Real Madrid as... Real Madrid expected, as most people expected, uh, but there's a monster contract from PSG on the table. It's not about the money. Uh, it's not about that yeah. hundred million signing on bonus. Scott is irrelevant. They just happened to give it to him, and he just said, "Yeah, if I have to." Yes. Uh, so he's uh, publicly. I've never seen a new contract be celebrated quite as much as this. He's done, uh, you know press interviews and all this kind of stuff. He was presented in front of the park, to, uh, the the crowd at the Parc de Prince. Right yeah. stadium, isn't it? How about stadium. Yeah, Parc de Prince, yeah. Yeah, of course. Would, I was getting the two confused in Paris, Stade, uh, Stade de France, Parc de Prince. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, he's decided to stay, which is a bit of a shock, isn't it? It's come, come as a shock to the system for Real Madrid and for La Liga, who 
have fought that tooth and nail. <laughs> I'm not sure what really they can do, but uh, you know, are PSG ruining football by keeping Kylian Mbappe, Tobe? Uh, I don't know if they're ruining football because they're not the only ones at it, but it obviously leaves a bit of a sour taste because you can say it's not about the money as much as you want and it's about legacy and becoming PSG's all-time record goal scorer and doing it for the city he was born in. I just can't see why Mbappe wouldn't have wanted to go to Real Madrid at this time. So exciting to play with Vinicius, to play with um, Karim Benzema that we spoke about on the last podcast. And I know PSG are stacked with talent of their own and he's playing with Messi, he's playing with Neymar, um, among many others. But I just felt this was the opportunity for him to go on and cement his legacy as the, the best player in the world, age 23. I don't think he will ever be regarded as the absolute best whilst he's playing in Liga. It just, the competition is there from a domestic point of view and he can lead them to the Champions League and he can score 40 goals a season. That's great. But it's the same um, brush that Robert Lewandowski has been tarnished with in, in years gone by. His great goal scoring record in the Bundesliga was frowned upon for a long, long time because of the quality of defence. Um, it's only in the last two years that he's been regarded as, oh, yeah, he is the world's best striker, age 32. Um, and I just felt Mbappe needed to go if he was to be regarded as the absolute best. And I think he is, but it's very difficult to prove that when you're caning Mets 5-0 on the last day of the season, which is what he did. Um, so, yeah, I was very surprised, very surprised indeed. It is a surprising decision from Mbappe, but obviously he's signed a three-year extension uh, till 2025 so that does mean that even in his mid-20s he could end up back at Real Madrid but Graham we've seen in the past two questions on Real Madrid really we've seen in the past that if a player burns Real Madrid it doesn't necessarily mean that that will end up fixing will Real Madrid retain that interest do you think and maybe go back for him later will that lead to Liverpool perhaps Kylian Mbappe has also spoken about interest from Liverpool in interviews since he signed that deal and what will Real Madrid do now because you know, obviously they were planning a lot around Mbappe. They've missed out on Erling Haaland, but we know that there's other players uh, in the world that they like too. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I totally agree with everything Toby said. I just don't understand the thinking for Mbappe. You know, he's won everything he can there, apart from the Champions League. It's it's very it's very very strange. The Liverpool stuff's interesting. You know, if you look back a few years, Liverpool were always the English club we talked about. So that perhaps that does come about for them. But Liverpool and FSG are not, never going to pay those wages. We know that. So I think that's um, a pipe dream, really. In terms of Real, you know, Perez, from my, my understanding, is a lot of people in the club are furious with what's going on. They're furious with how they feel, feel have been used. Perez isn't one of those who's come out and said anything. So I think we can read a lot into that. He may come out and do an interview um, with him, but he's been very dignified. In terms of the targets, where is that switches to? I think we may see in, um, them switch targets, not to Chumani, but that's a slightly different matter. I, I think they will come for Mo Salah. I'm, from what I'm, I'm hearing, that's a real, real chance. And this might suit all parties, you know. Liverpool don't want to lose him on a free transfer. There wasn't anyone else in for Salah, particularly at this point. But if they can get you know, we're probably talking what 100 million at the most. If somebody is in is out contract in a year's time, they give Salah the money he wants, which Liverpool, not that Liverpool can't, but Liverpool don't want to ruin their um, financial structure. So this might suit all parties, but I fully expect Madrid to come in for more Salah at some point this summer. 
And, you know, we know Rodrigo's doing well, but he Salah is obviously a massive step up from him. And so Vinicius, it might actually suit their system better, sign someone on the right, because Vinicius left, Benzema middle, Salah right. Wow. And then just a little bit of Trumania in the middle, Rudiger at the back. It's like you were going to start it, singing a song. Yeah, it might not. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's not feel too. Basically, let's not feel too sorry for Real Madrid just yet. Is the thing. I don't think missing out on Mbappe um, is going to be a huge problem for them. Yeah, I mean, like it did. You look at where Mbappe plays best, and it's generally through the middle or from the left side. I know in the in his early years when he broke through, he was. And at PSG as well, I think he played on the right for a little while. But, you know, as we see with a lot of right-footed players, they don't often do prefer to play from the left side, cutting inside or play up front. Uh, there's just something in that Salah, you know, that, that Salah, I can't really see him. I can't see Liverpool bending to what the kind of money that he wants to get. Salah has that dream to play for one of the big clubs in Spain. He wants to be the best African player of all time. And I think, let's think about it. And, and that's not a big head thing. He just wants to be the best African player of all time, purely for Egypt as well. So Egypt had that, that um, badge of honour. And if he stays at Liverpool the rest of his career, will he be regarded as that? And I'm not sure he would be. But if he goes to Real Madrid and does it, then he would be. Of course, Liverpool play Real Madrid in Paris in the Champions yeah. League final this week. And Mohamed Salah has also said... After the semi-final, I want to play Real Madrid. Uh, it's based on revenge, but um, you know, if Salah gets one over on Madrid, or you know, is is ends up losing to them again, if you can't beat them, join them. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure we'll hear from Steve McManaman this week, telling him to follow his path. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe you can actually look out on 90min.com for some exclusive time with Steve McManaman, as well as Michael Owen over the next few days ahead of that uh, Liverpool-Real Madrid Champions League final, which is the final game of the season. But yeah, uh, Toby, uh, Graham, thank you very much for today's show. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. We will be back at some point soon. We're, we're still working out how often we're going to we're gonna bring this show to you moving forward throughout the summer. I would imagine it'd be more than once a week. But yes, this is a brand new weekly show where we'll dig into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football, be it players or managers. And please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Today is the day, Graham, that Acast have officially shut down uh, mm. their app. I think it was, what is it, the 24th of May. So bad news for you. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. You can get us on those platforms as well. And keep an eye out on our socials at Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you soon.